0: Greetings in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, welcome today, evening, uh, this evening or afternoon or morning, wherever you are, we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As all know, this is our, our program, Gospel Encounter with Jesus Christ and the Gospel uh, prepared and organized by Christ for the Nation's Ministries. Today, we want to share the Word of God in the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 4, verse 35, uh, 37, 39, and 41. Uh, This is the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, It says that later that day, after it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from shore with him, as he had been teaching from the boat, and there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, as they were crossing the lake, a furious template rose with uh, violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat until it was all but swapped. So they shook him up. Awake, Jesus, they say. Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to die? Fully awake, he rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Peace be unto you. Calm down. All at once the wind stopped, whoring and the water became perfectly come. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, why are you afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and all and said to one another, who is this man who has such authority that even the wind and waves obey him? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and I pray, O oh God, that whoever hears this message, O oh God, may be changed, may be revived, may be edified, and to those that have never believed in you may come to the knowledge of your truth in Jesus' name. Here is Jesus Christ. The Bible says he told his disciples to cross over. Uh, you know, during that time they could use boats. And therefore Jesus Christ in his command commanded his disciples and said, let us cross over. And when they were crossing over, the Bible says their storms came and hit the boat. But the greatest of all things, the Bible tells about the encounter, what happened when they were in the midst of the lake. Overcoming the storm is one of the miracles that Jesus Christ did in the Gospels. And this is recorded in Matthew 8, 23, 27. And uh, from the text that we have heard in Mark and Luke, this is very important. Jesus Christ walks on water. Jesus Christ is mighty. He walked on the water, overcoming the powers of gravity turned water, I mean, turned water into wine. I mean, Jesus Christ is a miracle-working God. In the Gospels of John, we see Jesus Christ called the bread of life, the light of the world. The significance of the miracles of Jesus Christ tells us one very important point, that Jesus Christ had the power over death. Jesus Christ had power over sickness. Jesus Christ had the power of every power of nature that we all need. So the significance of Jesus Christ coming this storm is very important. And friends, the message of today is peace in the crisis moment. The disciples, though they were given a command to cross over, they fell, they moved into a crisis, a Christ moment in their lives when they were in the middle of this the the galilee. Jesus Christ still is there. Friend, they had a command to cross over, but they were hit by storms. Even today, friends, what we are seeing today is the evidence of what happens. the storms of life, both eternal and external. These are the storms that we go through exactly during this time. The Sea of Galilee is known was known for certain raging storms, and men of Jesus' disciples were seasoned fishermen they did not not plan it they were experienced, and these took them by surprise friends even through their own experiences through their their fishermen they had not planned it and suddenly storms rages on even today friend we are moving in times of seasons that are like this we are hit by every storms and prepared epidemics like COVID 19 and prepared storms of life. Even my friend, you might be there, and you are hit by the storm of life. Your family is hit by the storm. A husband is eaten by storm. A mother is hit by storm. And these are storms of life that we don't have any control over them. We do not control COVID nineteen. So many things that hit our lives that are uncontrollable. But Jesus Christ was not taken by surprise. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he had commanded them to go across. Here had two important points that we need to understand. Jesus Christ, he rested even when the storms were raging. And to the disciples, they thought Jesus Christ does not care. Friend, when we were hit in storms of life, we think Jesus Christ does not care. Jesus Christ seemed to be ignoring, and yet he knew what was going on. Jesus Christ identifies ourselves with him. Friend, these were seasoned experienced fishermen, but yet something uncertainty, professional. They did not plan for it. They were bound to cross over. They are bound to cross over. And do you remember what Jesus Christ told them? Let us cross over. The word of God commanded them through Christ Jesus to cross over. But the storm became one of the stumbling block. And the reason why they cried, Jesus and say, Jesus Christ, don't you care for us that we are going to die? Their future was based on the word of God or the word of Jesus Christ that He's told them they must cross over. Their future, their destiny was on the other side. But what Jesus Christ had promised to cross over was hit. I mean something came to contradict Jesus' statement their future was in jeopardy and they said where is the promise that Jesus Christ told us to go cross over friend my friend some many times we fall into this trap we say where is the promise of God where is the truth of God Jesus Christ, you promised us to cross over, and yet we are in the middle of crossing over, and we are hit by unprepared and predictable situation. And they cried to God and cry to Jesus, and they say, we perish. The disciples responded probably like most of us do. In our infinite, infinite human minds, we don't see... What lies ahead of us? All the disciples saw at that moment were looming waves that threatened to take away their future. They say they did not know if they could survive the storms to live out their purpose. Friend, you and me, we are hit by storms and we don't know whether we'll survive the storms to live out our purposes. We are hit by COVID, we are hit by sickness, we are hit by diseases, we are hit by tragedy, we are hit by uh, by disappointments, and we say, my future is diopathy. Remember, when they were cried, Jesus Christ knew exactly what was happening. Jesus knew the storm was coming. He slept, he seemed not to care, and yet he knew it. Jesus Christ, friend, they said, don't you know you care for us? He knows, he knew the storm was coming. Even the storm blowing, he decided to launch out to the city, to the sea. Jesus Christ knew it. Jesus Christ, he had promised that all will be well. The Lord never promised us that we'll never see the storm in life. As a matter of fact, he has told us to expect trouble. But he says, behold, in this world you have trouble, but be of good courage. I have overcome. I have overcome the wicked one. Jesus Christ, friend, he has promised that he will be with us in the storm. He will never leave us as orphans. He is with us even in the midst of trouble. In our perseverance, of course, trouble will come. But Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus, is right there. And let me tell you, my friend, Jesus Christ, remember what he said, let us cross over whatever Jesus said whatever the Word of God says your future is secure when he said I will do it when he said, when we come to him he'll forgive our sins it is secure his forgiveness is secure his protection is secure his word is secure we can back on his word. Jesus said, cross over. Jesus Christ is faithful to what he said. Jesus told them that before they left that they could reach the other side. That is a promise. By the time the storm hit, they forgot his words and panicked. This is exactly what happened to us. We forget the faithfulness of God. We forget what he has promised at that moment is when they should have remembered that jesus was and and his character friend you might be there we might be there many times we get panic and our future seems to be insecure. friend jesus christ has promised a secure outcome my future is secure the moment i came to jesus christ i was given the word of god says i'll be with you and never forsake you i'll be with you always my future is secured in christ even in the midst of the storms of life my life your life is secure before jesus christ even gets into the boat he knew what will happen he knows your future he knows your past. He knows your present. He knows everything that concerns you. All is well when we are with Jesus, even in the midst of the storms of life. When he seemed sleeping and concerned, he told them, Why are you fearful? Have faith. Have faith, friend. We must choose faith of our fear. Fear is an enemy of our faith. Jesus Christ rose up and rebuked the storms of life and said, Peace become, You storms become. And he says, Fear not, where is your faith? Friend, we choose faith in the word of God. We must have, we choose faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to cleanse us. The grace of God is enough to receive us. We must have faith over fear. We fear about our outcome. We fear rejection. We think God will never accept us. We feel we we have a a, a self pity rejection. Say, there is nothing God can do anything to me. Friend, We must choose faith over fear. Fear is one of the greatest weapon the enemy uses in our lives. The word of God 366 times in the Bible says, fear not. Fear not, I am with you. In the midst of the storms of life, Christ says, fear not. Even in small things in life, we can have the assurance that God is in control our hope is in god our future is secured in god even in the midst of the storms jesus comes over i remember when jesus christ walked on the water He commanded peter and said come our hope even in the midst of storms is secure even with the world seems falling apart god is in control the disciples say don't you care the storms were raging left and right water getting to the boat everything seems to fall apart friend your life might be falling apart your family might be falling apart everything in your life must might be falling apart like the disciples but friend Let me tell you, even when the world seems falling apart, God is in control. Jesus Christ was in controlling the storms, even when it was raging, almost destroying them. God is at work in us. Friend, this is exactly what happens in our lives. God is at work in us. God is at work in us. The rages of sea comes over. Friend, you might be there, and he says in the midst of, of, of the storms, he says, peace be unto you. Peace be unto you. This is exactly what happens in the midst of the storms of life. Jesus Christ says, peace. And in fact, Peace, to the biblical meaning, is not the absence of war. Peace is assurance and reminds God that has control of everything. If we continue to live a non-stop lifestyle, we are so much uh, consumed with the strengthfulness and priorities in life, and we are consumed by by discouragement day to day. But Jesus Christ says, peace this is exactly what happens how do we get that inner peace the inner peace and assurance is this even in the midst of the storms of life Jesus is there there is so much to the word of peace many of us might say I am stressful I have conflict I need something that can take hold over my life friend this is exactly what happened in the life of Jesus Christ and his disciples they say what can we do we are gone we are perishing friend Jesus Christ even today is caring about us even when our world is falling apart there is that assurance. Even when everything falls apart, He is with us. He is with us. The future is secured in Him, even in the storms of life. We can choose faith over fear. God is work in us. And the Bible says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called to his purpose. God is working in our lives right now, whether we know it or not. He has called us to know him and is working in whatever cause in our lives. And the Bible says, when a miracle happened, when he come the storms of life, He's. They're saying, who is this man that even the storms obey him? Friend, who is this man who can calm the storms in your family? Who is this man who can calm the storms of rejection in your life? Who is this man who can bring life-changing power in our lives? Who is this man? Who is that person who can bring forgiveness and the true meaning of life? They say, who is this man? Even the storms of life can obey him. Friend, let me tell you as I finish the same word and the same statement. You might be there and you've been hit by the storms of life. And you say God never cares. And God never cares about my life, and God never cares about my family, and God never cares like Jesus Christ. You say He doesn't care, but He cares, and in the midst of the storms, He rises up, friend. At the cross of Jesus Christ, when He died, we see Him crying to God, and He says, Father, forgive them, it is finished. Friend in the midst of the storms of life. He is there. He cares for you. Will you accept him as Lord and Savior? They say, who is that person? Do you want to know him? Do you want to receive him? He's right there. You say, I've tried all men and women. I've tried power. I've tried position. I've gone into this and that. And there is nothing and no change in my life. You've been hit. I have been hit, but a time comes when you make a radical decision and you say, God, I want you come into my life. Come the storms of life. I want that peace of man, mind, the peace of heart, the assurance that you are with me. I want you, Lord. And they say, who is this man? You might be there and you say, who is this? Who can come in my life and calm the storms of life? That man is Jesus. He has changed lives. He has forgiven sin. He has given people purpose of their living. He has made, amended and brought families together. That is the man. That is the purpose, my friend. He is there. He's next to you. All oh, that you need to say, Oh God. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. There is no other name given under heaven. It's only the name Jesus. Who is that man? Will you receive him? Will you come, call on him and say, Yes, I want him to come. And have the peace. And you know what the Bible says? There is no peace. There is no peace. There is no calmness. There is no assurance. There is no nothing. That, that, that calmness. That rest for a sinner. We only get the rest. And that is the peace of God. When we make our lives right with God. And that is life changing message. Today, you can have peace even in the midst of the crisis. When you make Christ the Lord, when you make Christ the assurance of your life, he you rises rise up and calm the storms of your life. Even in the midst of the storms, he is with you. Will you come to Jesus today? Will you say, yes, my future is secured. God is with me. I want to choose faith over fear. My future is secured, even in the midst of the storms. Jesus had promised a cure outcome. He has promised everything well. They did not know if they could survive the storms to live out their purpose. Friend, you will survive. And they said, Oh, where is the word of God? Where is the word Jesus Christ promised? Their future seemed to be in jeopardy. Do you feel your future's is in jeopardy? Let me tell you, he that has said his word, he'll fulfill it. And that is Jesus Christ. Praise God. May God bless you. May God keep you. Today, even in the midst of the storms, peace is there. May God bless you and keep you. Amen.
1: So they turn into the promise. So is the promise we're praying for wrapped up in the problem we're praying against? The disciples awaiting a harvest and a kingdom were not looking at a bunch of rejected Samaritans for their answer. But the great harvest in the New Testament was not of the people that Peter thought they were going to reach, his own Jewish Hebrew race. The harvest that happened here was with a rejected bunch of Samaritans that nobody wanted to be around, and they were the problem in Peter's eyes, but they were the promise in Jesus' eyes. So what are we looking at in this nation that we say is a problem that God says, no, that's your promise? (laughs) Yeah, we... If you don't like me, I can leave now. I mean, some of y'all are like, I don't like this guy anymore. I'm trying to bring a new revelation to an old situation. Because the old situations are not leaving. And we've been praying for a long time. So what if the problem is not the problem? What if the problem is us not recognizing that that's not a problem? That person's actually the promise. But we've got to get past the dirt and find the seed that's in them and bring about a harvest in their life. We've got to get past what we see as a problem and realize it's the promise. What the disciples saw as the problem was actually the promise. And how many of us in our life have been realizing that there's promises of God waiting on us, we just haven't seen them yet? My question is this. What are you doing with the people that we see in the life that we live as the problem? Because here's the thing. Hear my heart on this. People are never the problem. People have always been the promise. People have never been the problem. Oh, they create the problems they're in the problems the problem is not people the problem is a lost and dying society that hasn't found Christ people are not the problem people are the promise Jesus died for the promise he didn't die for the problem he died for the promise he died for me and you he died for men and women the problem has always been the enemy that is creating chaos and catastrophe but we look at it as people When the Bible clearly says this, that, Bosco, our battle isn't against people. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the rulers and the powers and the principalities that cause the problem that manifests through people. So you got to get past the people. Because they're not the problem. They're the promise. They're the promise in our life. So, and yesterday I asked you this question. How many of you have ever felt like dirt in your life? Your bad decisions, your issues, your struggles, your things. And we look at things in our life that have gone wrong. How could God ever use us? But here's what I want you to know about yourself. Maybe the thing that you think counts you out is what God is counting on. Maybe the thing that you think disqualifies you is what God is saying qualifies you. Maybe the thing that I think disqualifies me, God says, that's actually the reason I called you. Because my power, God says, is made perfect in your weakness, not your strength. So my insecurities that I say disqualify me, God says, no, you have to surrender it to me because that's what's qualifying you. Because now you have to depend on me, not you. Maybe the thing that people have counted you out on is what God is actually counting on. Maybe the person in this room who's come out of drug addiction and you think that disqualifies you. God is saying, I'm qualifying you because now you know how to relate to people that are not the problem, but they're the promise and you can go reach what tried to kill you. I don't know if they like me right now. (laughs) But I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you, we got to change our mindsets. We got to change our perspectives. We got to change the way we reach the promise of God. God. My question is, in your own life, what are you doing with the dirt? What are you doing with the dirt? And here's the thing about dirt. People choose to walk on it rather than cultivate it. People choose to walk on the dirt rather than cultivate it. If you go outside and you begin to cultivate the soil, You can put seeds in it and it will begin to grow. If you walk on it over and over and over again, it will be hard and it will become soil that nothing can grow in. The thing I'm telling you to do is the areas that you look at of your life that are unusable and are the dirt, if you'll bring it to the Holy Spirit and let him begin to cultivate out of you the things that shouldn't be in you, he can then put seeds in those places and the thing that you call dirt, he can now bring a harvest from. I'm not giving you a permission to sin. I'm not giving you a permission to go and do bad things. I'm telling you the things you've done in your life that you think are counting you out. If you'll submit them to the power of the Holy Spirit, he can even raise a dead man. Come on. And if the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives and dwells in me. And if he can raise a dead body back to life, he can turn my problem into a promise. I just got to bring it to him and let him cultivate what I call dirt. And he calls a harvest. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your failures? I cannot begin to tell you how many times I've failed. As something I've tried at and attempted. Can you relate? Can anybody relate? You ever failed at something? Yeah. Failed at a test? Failed at an ambition? Failed at a step of faith? The thing about failing is this. If you get back up, it's not a failure. It's a learning moment. I just choose to keep getting back up. The Bible says this, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. So if you've fallen and haven't gotten back up, you need to question the righteousness in you. You need to begin to press forward in your life. Too many people have decided to walk on what God is saying cultivate. And here's the other thing. How many of you have ever had people walk on you? Not just you beating yourself up. But other people saying you'll never become that. You, you don't have it in you to do that. You you don't have the you don't have the intelligence. You don't have the smart. You don't have the anointing. You don't have the authority. You don't have the financial backing. You don't have you don't have what it takes. Has anybody ever been talked to you like that? Million times. Okay, I'm just going to tell you I have. And anytime somebody says Joel, you can't. My answer to them is, watch me. (laughs) I don't try to convince them. I don't try to talk to them. I don't try to tell them what qualifies me, Samson. I don't try to tell them how good it's going to be. I don't try to give vision to people who don't have vision. I don't waste my time on trying to convince somebody I will do it. I just say, watch me. Because 20 years later... My church still is growing. There's over 1,500 people. 20 years ago, everybody was laughing. But now, guess what? They're all at home, working nine to five boring jobs. I'm halfway around the world living my dream. Watch me. Watch me. And in 20 years from now, when we come back, after several years of being here, and we see this nation drastically different, and you have another young group of aspiring young leaders sitting in this room, you'll look back and say, I remember one day I was there, mm-hmm. and I remember this guy who just said, watch me. You don't have to give anybody in this world an explanation of the call of God on your life, yes. but you do have to live it out. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to convince people of it. You can just say, watch me. Watch me. Because watch mm. here's the thing you got to know. <laughs> Amy, come on, Bruno, let's go. <laughs> Preach with me, come on.
0: <laughs>
1: here's the thing you got to know. Don't be mad at the people who walked on you. Mm. Don't be mad at the people who walked on you. You need to be mad you haven't been pushing the dirt of your past behind you. Don't be mad at the people who walked on you because they think you're dirt. What you need to learn how to do is the people who walk on you because they think you're dirt is start pushing the dirt of them behind you so the Holy Spirit can cultivate in you and you can become who God's called you to become. Don't let other people put their dirt on you just because they haven't achieved what God had called them to do. You need to start pushing the past behind you. The Bible says when you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Put it behind you. Put it in the past. Whenever a seed starts growing, listen to this. Whenever a seed starts growing, it decides this. The seed that is within me is greater than the dirt that is on top of me. (laughs) You got to know that there's a seed of a promise inside of you. There's a promise in you, and it's called a seed of the word of God. There's a seed on the inside of you, and you have to know this, that the seed on the inside of you is greater than the dirt that's on top of you, but it's going to take some pushing through the dirt to get to that first break of daylight, and as soon as you begin to see the sun, and it shines on it, begin to cultivate everything around it, begin to cultivate the promise, but the seed in you is greater than the dirt that's on top of you, but you have to know that beyond all doubt. Trust You have to trust that the God in you Mm. is greater than anything. People can pile on top of you and you got to watch that seed grow. And I pray that if you hear anything this morning from what I say, Samson, if you hear anything this morning from what I say, don't give up on your dream. Mm. The seed within you, it's greater than the dirt that people have been trying to pile on top of you. And that seed has potential to do world-changing things. And so I'm commanding in the name of Jesus, that seed in you begins to break forth through the soil and the dirt that's been piled on top of you. And God is going to do a mighty work in your life. Bro, write that down. You need to write down the time of day it is right now because God's going to start changing things now. Amen. All right, I'm about to close. Have you ever prayed this? God, when is it going to be my turn? Right? Yeah, God, when is it going to be my turn? I see my friends being blessed. I see my friends getting married. I see my friends da da da. da. I see my friends getting careers. I see my friends graduating college. I see my friends getting jobs that I have applied for. I've seen my friends and my family and da uh, uh, When is it going to be my turn? Right? <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't prayed that prayer yet, you haven't lived long enough. And you definitely haven't been in ministry, right? When is it going to be my turn? See, Isaac had two problems. There was a lot of dirt and there was a big famine. He made the decision in the midst of adversity to start sowing physically. Do you understand what I'm saying? He had two problems. There was a lot of dirt and there was no water to water it with. There was a famine. In the midst of the greatest adversity, Bosco, he said, I must start sowing physically. (laughs) Notice what I said. I did not say sowing naturally. We don't sow according to the nature. We sow according to spirit of faith. He started doing something physically physically. In the midst of a drought and a famine, he started digging holes and putting seeds in the ground physically because he knew that the God of the harvest was greater than the devil of the famine. I'm telling you, you're waiting for God to bring you a breakthrough. God's telling you to pick up a shovel. See, we don't want to pick up shovels. We just want to pray and let God bring about a mighty work. And so the power's in our prayer. If the power is in your prayer. Because if you're not praying while you're digging, you're going to miss it all together. But in the midst of adversity, he started doing something physically. It is not natural to sow in a famine. It is not natural to sow in soil so dry nothing can produce. It is not natural to put effort into something that you think is already dead. But listen to what he did. He did something physically physically. But supernaturally, we all pray for supernatural, but God says you need to start pushing dirt in the physical so I can show you my supernatural. When you begin to do something by faith, I'll come through with the power. See, we want the power before we do the faith. God says I need to see the faith and then I'll give you the power. I'm telling you. I couldn't have a growing church until I started planting a church. Oh, God, bring me 50 people, then I'll plant. He said, no, start planting, and then I'll bring (laughs) people. Right? God, give me this great career for the kingdom. Good, start delivering
0: pizzas.
1: (laughs) How many of you know you could be delivering pizza one day, but owning the pizza chain tomorrow? But if you want to start delivering pizza, you don't know how to cook it. You don't know how to deliver it. You don't know how to keep it hot in the car while you're driving it. There's a training process that God wants you to go through. But you got to start doing something physically so he can empower you supernaturally. And the one thing I love about this generation, you're not afraid to try something new. You're not. You're not afraid to jump out there and do something that the world has never seen before. And I'm telling you, go for it. I'm telling you, in the palm of your hand, in the palm of your hand, is the power to reach every person in every nation on the globe. But here's the thing. People older than my generation, we don't like this. We don't. We believe church should be done old school, right? Hey, I'm part of the old school. I'm not knocking it. I'm honoring it. But I'm saying if I don't change my way of thinking in some areas, I'll get left behind because we can disciple people all over the world through this. But many people have just rejected this because it's not the paper version of this. When the power does not lie in the paper. It relies on the God who created the tree that the paper got printed on. (laughs) See, we say it's in the paper. God says it was in the planting. It was in me all along. It was in the planting. So I'm going to conclude this message this afternoon. Right now, you're going to have some instruction and some overview from Emmanuel. He's going to come here in just a minute. But I want to pray over you. And I want you to know this. I want everybody to look at me. Look in my eyes when I'm talking to this last point. The seed that is within you is so much greater than the dirt that is on top of you. I want you to start growing. I want you to start cultivating. I want you to start pushing that seed that's buried in the dirt because God wants to bring about transformation through your life because of the seeds that he's put in your heart you have to believe the promise or the seed of God on the inside of you is greater than the oppression is greater than the dirt, it's greater than the society, it's greater than the government it's greater than the world politicians it's greater than the problems, it's greater than the coronavirus, the seed within you is greater than the dirt and the problems that society has put on you so let the seed become great Father God Let everybody know what the seed you have put in their heart is today. And God, I pray that it break through the soil in a supernatural, amazing way. And it produces a harvest of righteousness forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise.